And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Hello, everyone. I'm Tony Jameson, the new host of the Football Manager Show, brought to you by The Athletic. Football Manager has quite frankly ruined my life, but I'd be completely lost without it. And if those words resonate with you, our podcast will be right up your street with FM23's release inching closer and closer. Every week, myself and Aaron Falloon, aka RDF Tactics, take a deep dive into our most recent saves. We speak to the makers of the game about how to crack it and take on wacky community challenges suggested by our loyal listenership. So if that sounds like a bit of you, make sure to subscribe to the Football Manager Show wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. This is Why Always Us. It's your Manchester City podcast from The Athletic. I'm David Mooney, joined as ever by Sam Lee. Hello. And Paul Bios. Hello there. And uh, you can read everything on City and more in The Athletic right now for a pound a month for six months. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash mancitypod and sign up. That's theathletic.com forward slash mancitypod. Um, now, for this week's show, we're going to talk. I, I guess the question is. Um, it's one that could rile a few people up to start with, but I'm interested in, in how teams are playing against City at the moment because in, in the last couple of Premier League games, we've seen two very different styles of play. Um, let's start with the most recent and Leicester. This is uh, Brendan Rodgers after the game explaining what their game plan was. You've got to stay in the game. It's not normally how we play, but you have to respect you're playing against arguably you know, the, the best team in the world, so you've got to deny them space and... So we, we defend it well in, in those moments and they, they're lots of the ball and, and we're obviously technically very good and their idea is great how they can shift you but our players you know, stood up very strong to that and didn't give away too many opportunities. And then once we had a wee bit more belief as the game wore on, we, uh, we started to then break through their pressure and um, I think you, you'd have seen it yourself. It's not taking the handbrake off, it's managing the game. You've got to manage the game. You've got to respect that this is, like I said, the best team in the world. You give them too much space, they punish you. And I'm sure you've watched them often enough to see them do that. So you you have to use a bit of logic and a bit of common sense when you're playing against them. And uh, and like I say, we, we manage and restrict it them. And when the moment was to change the game, we, we did that. And, and the players cried out really well. Now, Sam, we, we saw Guardiola speaking to Madison after the match, and Madison himself was talking, was basically saying, you know, why didn't you do what you did for the last 20 minutes earlier? Um, do you think that actually, like, he and City are quite happy with a team that poses very little threat for 70 minutes? I don't know, because if we're asking what's the best way to beat City, the, the, the kind of two approaches that Leicester used can both be kind of effective. I don't know. No, I think as much as Brighton gave City a really difficult game last weekend and City although they 
you know, they did do their job when they scored the three goals and did enough to win. They were uncomfortable for the whole game. I do think that they'd prefer teams that press them and give them spaces to exploit rather than sit back because at the end of the day, and this was it, when Madison said that that's what Pep had said to him, I'm sure loads of people thought the same. I think Leicester fans thought the same. Journalists at the game, because I was at the game, a lot of journalists thought the same. Um, and I bet people watching on TV thought that because for those last 15 minutes, Leicester did pose City loads of problems. But when, you, when I thought about it a bit more, the first 70 odd, it was really difficult for City. There, was no, there were no spaces. City didn't create an awful lot. Um, they were good to stop Leicester's counter-attacks, but they couldn't create a lot. And you know, it was only De Bruyne's free kick that won it. And, you know, Rodgers spoke quite... Rodgers was talking like that because a lot of the questions were basically, should you have done should that have done sooner yeah. or for the whole game? Um, for a start, I'm not sure how... I don't know, maybe it is easy to do that in the whole for a whole game. And it was interesting that he talked about logic and common sense because that differs from manager to manager, doesn't it? Like, if you ask Mourinho the best way to see out a game, it'll be different to Guardiola's way. You know, Guardiola's just keep the ball as far away from the goal as possible. Mourinho's is more, more, ben, more men behind the ball and take it from there so De Zerbi would probably be like logic and common sense is going man to man and disrupting their game and doing this and, and doing that obviously Rodgers has tended more towards being a bit more reactive but they did it well and you know if De Bruyne's free kick hadn't gone in then nobody would have been saying oh they should have done this or they should have done that um, and Guardiola was talking on Friday and I know we're going to hear a lot of clips and he gave so many different answers fascinating answers one of the questions I wanted to ask him before he got overtaken by something else was because he'd said earlier on every because he was talking about different systems and ways to play against City and he said every system has a weakness like every one and what I will ask him at some point and probably should have today is like is that what motivates him the most because they're all there's all loads of different ways to play against City whether you're front foot and you're pressing them on going man to man which is like really extreme or you're just sitting back and closing off the spaces if you do it really well it's a challenge for both and not I think probably what keeps Guardiola going and keeps him motivated is from one week to the next the challenges are pretty varied yeah. I mean normally it's normally it's sit deep and deny the spaces isn't it um, but again I think you know when Guardiola goes and people look back on his time at City and this and that and all the success and blah 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 it shouldn't be taken for granted which was his big message on Friday that City have to play against teams and just like, put 10 men in front of the area yeah. it's just so difficult and like if if Leicester played like that against any other team, I don't think the other team will be winning comfortably. No, no, no. I don't think the, many other teams will be winning at all. If Leicester did that, they could probably, they could probably, if they played like that against every other team, apart from like penalties and set pieces or whatever, they'd easily grind out draws like every week because that's really difficult to break down and that's a challenge that City have got to face every week. Um, to go back to the question ages ago, I do think he'd rather play against teams to give them a bit more space. But um, yeah, it just gives loads of problems on that Brighton game. Yeah, I think, I mean, there are like different angles here because if you ask me or if you ask like which kind of system Pep prefers to play, he clearly doesn't really like to play against these kind of systems and, and he feels like more inspired by managers like Roberto De Gerbi that go like man to man and that want to press high because somehow that involves like a level of preparation and a study and a lot of. Um, things like around the game which make it more sophisticated if you can say, if you can say it that way but it highlights more the the role of the manager in that team um, but then having said that uh, 
Pep and City has had to face like teams that has uh, sit as deep as Leicester did uh, last 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 weekend for multiple times on on the last seven years. Um, they, they 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 have faced teams that they have pressed high. But I think that when you play against teams like Leicester last weekend, probably I'd say that. Um, the way to make a difference relies more on you rather than than, than on the opponent. You need to be uh, the one that makes the difference because the opponent is basically just yeah, just doesn't. Just they're not. not they're, they're not going to yeah. come out and make a mistake. Yeah, they're, yeah. You've got, to, you've got to force the error. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, they're going to play it simple. Then it's going to have like an upside that on the offensive end of the opposition they are not going to be like this dangerous. Um, but yeah, then I think because I think and I don't want to be like critical or pessimistic because of course City are in a great position right now probably I think that any team on this country probably would swap for them but last games probably hasn't been the most um, creative yeah creative brilliant maybe or yeah just like this another level that City that we have seen in the past um, they haven't been at this level but they have like just uh, have games on the on their way, which is good news for City, for Pep. Um, but yeah, uh, I'd say that as long as City is brilliant or is that good, I think that the deep defence are, are not going to be that much of a problem. Yeah. Now, I, I don't like to, to get a lot of opposition managers uh, on the podcast, but I thought Rogers was interesting after the game yeah. uh, explaining the tactical settle. Um, so let's have a listen to what he says about the, uh, the pros and cons of going 4-5-1 uh, against uh, this City team. If you play with back four, Man City will get five up on your back line. If you play with five, they try to get six there. And uh, it's, it's all about managing the this, this space. And if we look at some of the good results we've had, or some of the good moments we've had against Man City, it's normally been in that sort of 5-4-1 shape. Now, what 5-4-1 doesn't allow you to do so well is press the game, because you've got a lonely striker and against players that are really good with the ball, technically, so it doesn't allow you to, to engage so high. So it's a system that can work well for you. It's just a change of mindset, which is the difficult one from being a team that wants to impose your way in the game and press the game and to then, you know, you're having to, uh, to sit off and, and give the sort of onus to the game to them. Now, City might have had the onus for most of that Leicester game, Paul, but like, it was a frustrating watch for, for a long time. Um, there's no space in behind, you know, there's there's no room to get to get runners in behind the, the Leicester defence. So, in, I mean, aside from starting someone like Erling Haaland, if he's fit, like, what, what can City do? It's a, it's a kind of an issue with that, with either having a new striker in Julian Alvarez or having the false nine set up? No, I don't think it's a matter of players. It's a, it's more a matter of like the dynamics and the moment of fitness and sharpness that every player is in, basically. Um, I think that City's concerns in that regard would be to, just to take the best out of his own players, their own players, sorry. Um, yeah, and just to try to unfold the other teams in that way. Um, Basically, I think that Pep's concerns and what he's going to look at analyzing this game and what City can do better is basically just like correcting or giving like new advice to some players in that position. Um, I think it was. Uh, I probably, but I'm not Pep Guardiola, but you can imagine that Phil Foden is an important guy for this kind of games because he, he's, he's a player that knows how to read these tight spaces. He has played as a false nine for a lot of games in the past two seasons, so he can do like a lot of roles in that. Um, so you need those kind of players, basically, and players that are comfortable with the ball in tight spaces and, and that are able basically to break lines. 
Yeah, Sam, I, I, the two criticisms that I, I saw online, especially at half-time in this game, was, I mean, first off, City crossing it too much to players that are, too, that are not going to win it against Leicester's defenders. And Guardiola got, uh, kind of read how Leicester were going to set up wrong. He thought they were going to be a bit more progressive than they were and, and, and try to control the game that maybe they would have controlled, you know, anyway. Um, yeah, but... If City aren't winning a half time, everyone's always looking for. Oh, this is this, this is. There's a great clip from Guardiola. Maybe we'll play it now. But he's talking about, and he's talking about his own players. He's, he says, you know, don't get frustrated, and he, and he means like, like, don't rush things, because Barnes and Madison on the counter attack and this kind of thing. And when Paul was saying earlier, you know, when when teams sit back, they're not going to come out and kind of make a mistake. You need to force it. Like when you think about it this way, if City have got what do they have? What was their possession? I think it was only was it only sixty five or maybe it was seventy five. When you think about it this way, the ones that are going to make the mistakes are the City players. If you've got the ball and you rush it and you try and play a pass just too quick and you try and play the ball in behind and the pass isn't on and or you try and I don't know dribble or whatever and you lose the ball against those players then you've got the counter attack and that's what you've got to avoid so Guardiola's talking about don't get frustrated to his own players but I think it works the same for watching it like these games it doesn't matter if City are winning at half time or not obviously it would be going better if they were but at half time there was no real danger um, it seemed like well, I, I remember thinking you know, it's going towards City scoring a goal okay in the end it was from a free kick and it was a pretty spectacular one at that but this is the whole message is the don't get frustrated thing in terms of Guardiola reading the setup wrong, I don't know because he was talking on Friday about the last time they played, whether it was last season or in the the game at the Etihad when they scored six or whatever it was. He said normally, and Roger said it himself, normally they don't do five at the back, and they weren't expecting it then. But I think this time he was. And then when you talk about Paul saying Phil Foden, obviously, but Phil Foden didn't play. And then I asked Guardiola in the press conference earlier, like, is there any particular reason for why he's not been playing really? And he just said, no, no reason. Yeah. yeah. Um, but when you look at it, Grealish and Mares or Grealish and Bernardo, they're those kind of players that he mentioned earlier in the season as they slowed the game down. You, do you remember the, the Newcastle game? It was end-to-end, it was a great watch, but that's not what Guardiola wants, is it? And he talked about if you've got those players, they slow it down and there's more passes. It's exactly the same. Do you think going into this game against Leicester, he wanted more passes? I think absolutely. Um, I tweeted about it before the game. I was like, there's not going to be many runs in behind. Um, because that's not what those players do. And when I've written about it before, it's been a Grealish and Mahrez thing, but it's not because they're bad players or this and that. It's just that's the style of player that they are. And it's easier to make that case when Bernardo's there, because everyone loves Bernardo, everyone knows how good he is, but he's not going to run in behind either. So you've got a game where the wingers are taking a lot of touches in small spaces and they might be able to beat a man and slip a ball in behind, but they're not going to stretch it, they're not going to ask many questions that way. And the other thing I tweeted was, maybe Alvarez will make those runs in behind, but he'll probably be the only one. And then we saw that in the first half. There were times when he was doing it and City weren't finding him. And I tweeted during the game, I was like, I wonder if Guardiola's thinking, we need less of that. Because the only time that Leicester counted was because City had lost the ball because they were looking for Alvarez. And it's a kind of catch-22 because you need to make those runs in behind. You need to try and force these issues. Because if you do get the spaces, you need to try and do it that way. But then if you lose it, you've got the exact thing you want to avoid. Um, But then I kind of realised... The, the, the obvious solution is just make the pass better and again I think it's in this same clip Guardiola talks about making runs in behind and he talks about the, the second position but he says we haven't got many players to actually do that 
and you have when you got Foden on. I think without Jesus and, and Sterling, you don't. But I'm not saying they necessarily miss those players. I don't think anybody particularly misses Jesus and Sterling this season without gone. Um, even though obviously Jesus is doing really well, it's just they don't really have that characteristic, and that's one thing for City when they do play against teams like this. Or I remember a big one was the second leg against Real Madrid. Obviously, the game was in City's pocket. It was just go to Madrid, don't open up, yeah. don't get counterattacked, and you'll go through. So they were very kind of cautious. It was that kind of control performance, no runs in behind. But you think if they just had that option, that would be another way to to make spaces in these teams drag them back I remember they did it brilliantly against Wolves you know with like two or three games left at the end of last season yeah. I think it was Sterling and Foden on either wing and they were doing it so well they were dragging the defenders back and that is one thing that this City attack is probably missing sometimes yeah. um, but then you wonder how much of it is Guardiola's trying to find that right balance and would that right balance be have, have Grealish on the left because he's not going to do that and have Foden on the right because he can and he will and Alvarez and Haaland because they can um, or you know games like this at the weekend does he want we won't we won't do it that much we're just going to play our way we're going to control it we're not going to let them counter attack and we're going to do it this way and people talking about half time about this and that I'm sure Guardiola was probably yeah, delighted with how it went yeah. because that's the kind of team he was picking and I'm sure he knew what, what kind of game it was going to be yeah. Paul you uh, before we move on you asked Alvarez today uh, about basically the, the lack of space and getting him behind uh, yeah. what, what was it he said so basically I think that the quote that he gave which is quite good and tells quite a bit of um, how Julian is as a football player was something like um, if I have to make like 20 runs in behind because the team asked me to um, and with that I can have only one chance to score a goal I will do that that's, that's the kind of player I am so that was basically his answer um, he admitted that here at City he's finding like uh, at some point, um, some oppositions that are like yeah, full of players like on the defense, and it's hard for him just to find the spaces on there. Um, but yeah, that he's gonna of course keep working on that. But yeah, I think that this quote about if I have to make 20 runs in behind, um, it's quite good and it, it explains uh, well why Pep is so happy with him. Yeah, and of course um, the one he did get in behind, uh, which was saved, had it gone in, it was flagged offside, but it was onside. Yeah. It would have uh, would have yeah. probably been VAR on. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. We've uh, heard from Brendan Rodgers. Let's get Guardiola's reaction to the performance and uh, how City dealt with Leicester's tactical setup. This was his assessment in the post-match press conference. Nobody knows what would happen with Erling Haaland. Erling played against Bournemouth in a shape like Leicester have played with uh, five in the back, four in the middle, plus Barty dropping, and uh, he struggled. So it's difficult. So the best I can say in this type of game is don't get frustrated. You concede 
transitions with Barnes, Bardi, with the quality for Madison, and and after you can see the goal is almost a hill to climb that is not would not be possible. So why is not get frustrated and not concede free kicks corners like Madison is always tough. We need a lot of runners, a lot of movements of the second position. We don't have right now the quality specific for that that concept and. Uh, we started really well as well the second half in the first minute with Rodri and after the free kick and, and after that we had the, the doubts okay we continue to attack being aggressive aggressive like we start in the first minute first half especially in the second one or like they don't want to play they don't want to press okay why do you have to go but in the last 10 minutes 15 minutes Daka inside Kelech inside and they changed the rhythm and we were playing on rhythm that was not good a rhythm but we needed to 1-0 when they didn't want to do it and we could not agree because the result is there because you are thinking more in defend than and after the risk is there so we won but maybe one corner one free kick one situation and then you can you can draw the game so Sam that's what you were talking about with not getting frustrated and um uh, not rushing it so that Leicester don't get transitions. Uh, we talked a little bit about getting in behind, and you mentioned Sterling and Jesus. I, I still wonder if Sterling and Jesus were named in that team, it would still have been a frustrating watch because there was just no yeah. space there. Um, well, yeah, but they can create the space, can't they, by dragging them back? But it would have been frustrating because yes. they'd have got the ball over the top and then missed. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, Tr- truth I'm, bombs. I, no, but I, I watched a video on Twitter last night that was like De Bruyne's assist to Sterling and Jesus in the last couple of years, and it was just uh, it's a yeah you know, it's a bit one sided because <laughs> there have been you know, there's there's loads of good stuff they did, but uh, yeah, but I know the whole point is you do create those spaces a bit more because if you're dragging James Justin back because you're running off his shoulder, then you know there's more space behind for especially De Bruyne. He was always looking for those spaces kind of deep to get those crosses into the box. So then if you're dragging the the, the fullback down the line. And then De Bruyne has got more spaces to put balls in, or just maybe carry the ball into the box or whatever. Then you've got a different kind of game. So if you have got more people running in behind, then it is different. Yeah, Paul, were you surprised at the lack of uh, times that City tried to get it into the box low? Because like as, as much as they kept putting it into the box and getting into into good positions, like I said before, they're not winning headers against the, the Leicester centre halves. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's a fair point. But at the same time, when you play against defenders like that, I mean, it's not easy like to find a route to the box. And when they like put so many bodies into the middle of the attack, which is basically like the areas that Pep loves the most, those kind of pockets uh, to, to attack. Um, they have to cross at some point and um, if I was talking like about uh, provoking mistakes on the opposition in that regard, sometimes the cross is how you provoke them. Um, just a bad clearance or, or just a bad pass from the, from the defensive um, opposition and then um, you, ha- you, you have a golden chance to, to score. So I think it was also like a way just to try to make things difficult for Leicester because it's not easy. Cause, I mean, we can say here from here that City needed like more people running in behind and just anything. But once you're in the once you're in the football pitch, as a football player, it's hard just to find this and just they just of course try to find the best route to the box uh, and sometimes just crossing is just that. Yeah, I, I mean, Sam mentioned before that it was uh, a great free kick from De Bruyne, and it yeah, was yeah. That, that that won the game. I'm um, not going to argue that. Yeah, <laughs> what what if De Bruyne doesn't score that free kick? Does City carry on their game plan? Do Leicester carry on their game plan? Do Leicester change on 70 minutes, or do they sit in deep and try and grind out the points still? Yeah, I, I doubt Leicester would. Yeah, would I think Leicester. Done, it? Yeah, yeah, I think Leicester will have changed. Um, and having said like all the problems that. City might find against all the systems. It's also worth it to point out that it's quite of a risky system for Leicester or just for any team who 
tries to do like that because they... they, they if City score in the first minute, it's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They just basically wait to get uh, until the final 10 minutes um, at most with a one goal difference. Um, if, if they get to the context that that system and that setup is worth it, but if not, I mean, you have to change like way just just way before that. So yeah, basically, um, that's uh, if the Royna hadn't scored the free kick, probably City would have had just to keep like n- knocking their heads into the door as 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 we said in 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 Spanish idiom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and Sam, we we mentioned De Bruyne's uh, free kick. The old idiom in English is that you're always most at risk just after you've scored, and that was the point where Edison made that that save against Tielemans. Yeah. Um, it, it's hugely important because if that goes in, it's it's back to square one again. Yeah, it's back to square one, and then I don't know. I'm trying to work out if it will be in some ways worse because you know the crowd, that, and that's part of the argument about oh, why didn't Leicester do this for the whole game? Because obviously with that crowd as well and the momentum that that generates as we saw at the end it does make things harder so if they had just scored then you know the fans would be roaring and then if you know Leicester had that momentum to go and do that again then maybe it would be even harder so I mean Edison had a really solid game you know if we're talking about not making mistakes and you've got to you know be patient and all that kind of stuff Edison that was a that was a really good save and then everything else was just solid like the saves you were expecting him to make he wasn't spilling anything I think he's really solid on corners this kind of thing um, so yeah he, he had a good game but I mean, if Leicester had scored, then it would have been difficult. But that's that's the thing about football. Even City can't tame that. How many times? I think City scored the first goal against Forest. You know, a few weeks ago at the Etihad, when they went on to win, was it five nil, six nil? Scored the first goal against Forest after battering Forest for like 14, 15 minutes. They were asking questions left, right, and centre. They were just absolutely all over them. There was no way Forest could hold out. And then he's got the first goal. And then after the kickoff, like Forest had a couple of attacks and like nearly scored. And it's like. Even City can't control this about football. Like the other team are just going to come out and do something, and your team are not. Maybe not, they're not going to be able to stop it. I find that absolutely fascinating. And yeah, you know, when you go away again, this is what Guardiola talks about when he says about his players, "Don't be frustrated." He's talking to us as well. Like I don't know whether he means it or not. Like we we, we got to listen to that because that's how it is. And if it's nil nil at half time, it's nil nil at half time. I always go back to that Brighton game at the end of last season when it was like five or six games left. And there was a whatever the situation was, Liverpool had just lost or they'd won or whatever, and City really needed to win. It was nil nil at half time, and everyone was like really shitting themselves, really nervous. Oh, it needs to be this. The passing's too slow. Look, Calm down. It, yeah. it, this is how the game's got to be. Yeah. If you can't score early, then don't rush it. And like Pep said, don't get frustrated. And that's just how it's going to be. You, you, I mean, you would think after so many years now, we'd get it, but not, <laughs> obviously not. Yeah. Um, Guardiola's been critical of De Bruyne uh, recently, uh, after the Brighton game especially, uh, but after Leicester he explained how the Belgian was important to breaking down their shape. This is what he said. He's a player like he needs his dynamic. He's a player stay more in the position, it's not his top. His top is that he has the freedom, then stay in the pocket, or look more lateral and right and arrive to the, to the, to the box. Uh, he has the freedom and his quality. When he moves and get the ball here, there and there and behind the ball and come and come and come. It's not like Bernardo can get the ball in the feet and do this kind of thing. Kevin needs movements. You have to get the ball in movement, not the stopping. There's no space because they are in 80-yard box and behind is the keeper. And in front, there are the back four. And Bardi is with the back four. In the back four, in the four midfielder. So literally, it's not a space there. So you have to put the ball there for the second one and put the ball there for the second one. 
but you have to do it in the position because in the second band you are not in the position, Barnes run, Bardi run, and they kill you. And they wait that moment to punish you. So Sam, uh, just finding those spaces, um, I, you know, I was watching on TV and at the end of the game, De Bruyne was given play of the match and I thought, oh, I've only done that because he scored a great free kick and, and that's it. There's, I, I thought there was a couple of City players who were maybe more impressive in the performance. And then when I heard Guardiola say that, I thought, actually, De Bruyne was the one who was finding those spaces in, in a team that was not leaving any space. Yeah, and I, I didn't know if Haaland was going to play or not. So I made him captain of my FPL team. Yeah, I, me too. But then I had I did have his armor on. But then when I really thought about it as vice captain, then I had a, I thought about it. I was like, if Haaland doesn't play, they're going to really need De Bruyne to do something. So I kind of imagined him, you know, scoring from outside the box with his left foot, like he did at Leicester a few years ago, like he did at Wolves, just like just making something happen. In the end, obviously, it was that free kick. But it did it did feel like one of those games where it's like. The, the space is going to be deeper. That's where De Bruyne is, and also De Bruyne kind of makes a step forward in, you know, not the, the massive games, but these games that are tight. Um, so yeah, and he, he did, he did look better. He certainly wasn't sloppy, was he? And that's the thing yeah. with De Bruyne. It's been hard to kind of put this into words. This, oh, he's got so many assists and he's got, doing so many yeah. like, great goals, but he still needs to be better. There's just been a bit of sloppiness about his game. Yeah. It's Although not, you, you said that, I just, I just remember right in the first half when he crossed the ball straight out of play. <laughs> Uh, I, don't, I don't remember that. <laughs> Dropped before. it right over the back post. Right, okay. Um, but yeah, but it, you're talking about him getting man of the match. I remember doing that Wolves game on commentary. So that was when I was fully switched on, like watching, not like, talking about literally everything I was seeing. So like, I wouldn't have forgotten, like across that play. I remember thinking, De Bruyne has been rubbish here. And he got two assists. And I think, I don't think he did get man of the match, but I was told that one of the broadcasters had given him man of the match. And I just thought, no way. Like, just no way. But. That was a million miles from that, wasn't it? Like, he was more kind of switched on against Leicester. And Guardiola talked about how he needs to roam and have yeah. freedom and stuff. He did, the thing is, that has not been the issue, though. He has had freedom, hasn't he, in all those games? Like, the yeah. Wolves game, whatever, he has had freedom. But it's just been the sharpness. Um, but for whatever reason, he did have it against Leicester. And whether it's the case of just growing into the season, a bit of form, a bit of fitness, maybe he's just had a good game and he'll go back to having a sloppy one, we don't know. Um, but, yeah, he, when, you know, when City don't have Haaland, even though he's only been here, like, th- three months... And before that, has been no problem. But De Bruyne is just more important because obviously when Haaland plays, he's putting the chances on the plate. But when Haaland doesn't, and it's a game like this, you've just got to make those, like, you've got to make those chances for yourself, basically. Yeah. And like, Alvarez found it difficult. Like, when Guardiola, the start of that answer before, when he said, nobody knows how it would be with Haaland, because I think the question was something like, oh, you know, how difficult was it without Haaland? Or did he prove you could win without Haaland? But he was like, we don't know how it would have been with Haaland. Like, against Bournemouth, he didn't touch the ball. And that was the game he talked about him being in a cage. And, you know, they had um, five at the back and four midfielders in front. Because that was the same against Leicester. So maybe if Haaland was playing, it would have been exactly the same anyway. Um, but yeah, at least with Alvarez, he was trying to stretch. I thought Alvarez, I tweeted this as well during the game, Alvarez was really good at running in behind and offering that option. I thought he managed to drop deep and link up the play quite well as well. He managed to get himself in the game. But Gundogan, he didn't have a bad game. I just didn't see him. Like if I had to give Gundogan a rating out of ten, if I was doing player ratings, I don't know what I'd give it because he couldn't. He was in those spaces as well, but just couldn't yeah, get involved. Just get involved. You know, with yeah, Gundogan, yeah. loads of touches. He's either always getting on the end of something in the box, or he's deeper and he's running the game. But whatever he's doing, you know, he's there. But at the weekend, it was just really difficult, and that just goes to show, you know, how that setup like goes back to what he was saying. Don't get frustrated. You've got to be patient. Yeah, um, just about Kevin De Bruyne, I think that if we look at him and we we'll reflect like since the day that City signed him, um, it's kind of a 
it's kind of really positive to see that Kevin De Bruyne can be a standout player in those kind of games because when City signed him, he was probably more of a box-to-box guy, like a counter-attack guy, a guy that you used to watch highlights on of the Bundesliga and he played on that on that Wolfsburg side that ro- he run a lot. He was more of a winger or striker. Now he has learned to do that. He has learned to kind of read the game, read like uh, deep defensive systems, um, know where to run, where to go, where to help, where, where to position himself. So that, that has to be like kind of good for City to see the improvement that they have given yeah. to Kevin De Bruyne uh, in that regard. And speaking about players that were good as well, I'm probably going to be a bit annoying on this, but I want to highlight John Stones again. Yeah, I was thinking John Stones in the match. In my opinion, he was like... It's like great because he, like on the first half, he has to mark and defend the best player of the opposition, which was Barnes. Barnes was the biggest threat that yeah. that left the half for the game plan that 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 they had that they were looking for a powerful winger just to run and just to attack the spaces, and he did great. And then when City needed him to slot into midfield, he was great as well. He has a great ability just just to read the game defensively. He's good. Um, I'd say that. He's not the best defender of Man City when he's fit. He's really close to that. Yeah. Um, let's say a little bit more now because uh, Leicester chose a completely different game plan to Brighton, who uh, some might say caused City a lot more problems despite being on the wrong end of a 3 1 defeat at the Etihad recently. Uh, this was what Guardiola made of that game and uh, why it was tough. One of the toughest ones we can face because they propose a type of game that we are not used to. I would say few teams are used to. And uh, we don't have a man free, the man free is just Eddie Ederson, Eddie, because they play man to man. You have to play more direct balls or more third man. So, this type of game that Mario used to, but in general was uh, so satisfied with the points because it was a tricky, tricky game. The goal is outstanding. Thanks to him, we didn't suffer the last 50, 20 minutes when the game was more in that side because the game in the first half was really good, really, really good. Uh, in terms of high pressing, because we saw in the second half when we allow them to play, they have a process that is outstanding. The way they play, I'm a big admirer for from Roberto and the way they they want to play, and we we felt it. The players know it perfectly. In the, now in the locker room, how difficult it was in the first half. We were brilliant in that terms, but the turning point of the second half when Riyad has this chance and normally he doesn't miss it because it's football, it can happen. And after one minute later, we concede a goal. And in that situation, when we concede a goal, the emotions are there. And against that team, it was difficult in that moment. Like they were better, Kevin making masterclass action and, and we could go win the game. Now, Paul, um, he spoke about suffering at the end of the last game. Uh, he, say, he basically said there that because the Broder scored, they didn't suffer at the end of the, uh, of the Brighton game. Um, I find it interesting kind of how he would like opposition teams to play because it is a bit risk-reward. The risk is that if they pose a little bit more threat, the reward is that City have more space to play with. Yeah, but I think that, I mean, Pep understands the game by um, setting up a team that wants to have the ball and go and score a goal. Um, and he has faced some teams in his career that they don't really have the ball and they and that that they are not really concerned or worried about going to score a goal. That's what he dislikes because and from the essence of the game, he, he believes that teams should have the aim to produce something, 
just it doesn't mean if it it doesn't mean that you have that you need to have like the eighty percent of the possession, and it doesn't mean that you have to play with um, a four three four three three or with three attacking midfielders playing as number eight and ten. Um, but well, like, sure, the desire to get forward, yeah, and do something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Courage would be the word he would courage. use, isn't it? Like, yeah, courage. courage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's that's basically what Pep not 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 asked because he's not gonna ask or demand anything to anyone. But when he um, thinks how the other team should play or, or how anyone should play at this sport, I think that's the bottom line. Yeah, because we, I mean, we we hear all the time, Sam, that uh, Guardiola praises teams that do what Brighton did and, and have a go, and then at the same time, all of these critics turn around and say, well, he would say that because the teams that have a go generally get beaten, but the, well, pretty much everyone beat. gets beaten. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Everyone everyone gets beaten. Uh, it's just, it is just like what Paul was saying about his kind of philosophy, and now he'll go out of his way to say, I don't judge, you know. And you, if you were just kind of following what he said over the last few years, you would think, and maybe he has changed a bit. But you would think he's just a purely like, I don't know, people can do whatever they want. But you can tell from earlier in his career and when he was a player, these ideas, you know, he was very much like, this is how football should be played. And, you know, whether it's, you know, it doesn't have to be um, how City played, because, which is, you know, more cautious than if we're talking Napoli now, for example, yeah. or Napoli under Sarri a few years ago when City played them, or even, you know, Deserbi's Brighton now. Or, um, City Art Atalanta a couple of years ago these kind of things they're more cautious than that but you know it doesn't always have to be the same thing but it's just that kind of courage to play but yeah like you say they they, City will beat most teams anyway because of because they're just they're just better aren't they they've got better players and Guardiola's prepared for everything They, they, they probably have to be more cautious now because like the teams that they are facing are just like really looking for that for that counter attack for that break that's why that's the role of the fullbacks. Now you can afford, you cannot afford to have two fullbacks just waiting on on their position just and and do nothing because it's like so complex. The game has has grown to some to some standards that you need to involve fullbacks to do some other things, which is like control counter attack or just helping the build up, just whatever it can be. Um, and I think that's 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 probably why City might be more cautious in that regard because yeah, they they, they have to. Yeah. How much of City's performances, Sam, do you think are controlling their emotions? Because we talked a lot earlier about controlling the frustration. Um, but it's, he, he talks about Brighton, Brighton and emotion when Brighton scored. It's, that's the same sort of thing, isn't it? It's not frustration, but it is, it's making sure that you are level-headed in, in those hot moments. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, in those hot moments, but also just moments where it's like there's a space to counter-attack. But... You know that if you if you do that and you don't finish the action, which again we go back to that Newcastle game, but I've said it before about when you play Leeds, and it was the same with Liverpool and Leeds the night. Like there was just there was nothing in midfield in that game, Leeds Liverpool. It was just end to end because nobody was controlling the game. But you know City would be, I know City beat Leeds like seven nil last season and then four nil there. But it was like you don't want to get sucked into those end to end games. So it's controlling the emotion of this counter attack is on, but okay, we maybe we're not going to do it. And, you know, it goes back to Guardiola maybe picking Grealish and Bernardo at the weekend because they're not going to... They're not going to rush it. Well, Grealish can, but, you know, he will, which is what people don't like, but Guardiola does like. You can easily imagine him getting halfway up the pitch and then he comes back and he'll pass it. And that's what people don't like, but you can see its value in these situations. But, yeah, in terms of the hot moments, you know, it goes back to the outsized, exaggerated example of this, and that's the Real Madrid last few minutes of the Bernabeu when everyone was talking about they've got no leaders and whatever and which is bollocks but the one thing you would say 
Edison just booted that ball down the pitch, didn't he? And he said, "What are you doing, mate? Yeah. Just, just why, why are you of all people yeah. just getting rid of it?" Um, but yeah, it's those. But again, that's the outsized example. And when I said City are more cautious than, what followed was ridiculous examples of like very gung ho teams. City overall are not a cautious side, are they? They're very front foot in a kind of cautious way. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, the, it is con- control in those moments. But whether it's at the Bernabeu when you really need to keep a level head, or just when you're playing Leeds or Newcastle or Leicester or Palace, just don't don't rush it. And again, don't get frustrated because then the logical step to when you're getting frustrated and you're thinking, oh, fuck's sake, nothing's happening. You start putting more balls in the box, they get cleared. And I think when Guardiola was talking about De Bruyne there, he talked about putting balls in the box for the second action. But then he was like, but you need to be in the right position. If you start putting balls in the box too early, which is roughly more or less kind of what was happening against Newcastle they were going for things before the rest of the team was ready so when Newcastle countered they you know, weren't ready yeah. they weren't ready there was, there was no midfield shield and that's why Walker was one on one against Sam Maximan all the time Stones was one on one against Sam Maximan all the time because they weren't ready so that's what he means you, you can't start thinking oh, I'm frustrated now I'm going to make something happen because if you rush it it's not going to work you need to follow that process and again I'm signing off with the same sign off I've had for like two or three questions already it's just that is that that's where that patience comes into it yeah um, Sam mentioned Edison and Real Madrid and just booting it forward there um, I've, I've changed my assessment of Edison in the Brighton game as well because we, I was quite critical of him on the last podcast that we did um, I went to see City Women at the weekend and one of their issues was they were playing it around and they were, they were knocking it around really well but they wouldn't use the goalkeeper when the goalkeeper was the only free player. Yeah, yeah. And the thing we saw against Brighton, the number of times Edison steps out of his goal oh. and steps wide of the box just to be that extra player, um, it's it's a really important aspect of how City break, especially a team that's going man for man. Yeah, 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 yeah. It it, it is, and and especially and not just teams that go man to man. There are teams that like their their first man of pressing is just going to Rodri. So um, you have to use like full backs to go next to Rodri, centre backs they are like more on their own like on the back line and then the keeper needs to be there as well. Um, so I mean and, and you can see the importance that, that it has, like the role of the keeper, from the from the moment that Pep in, in, in his first season, the first change that he demanded the club is to change the goalkeeping area. When he said when he said earlier about the Brighton man to man, he said the only free man is Edison. And yeah. it sounds like a throwaway comment, like the only free man is a goalkeeper, which obviously that is the case. But then you think what you're saying, thank God it is Edison. Yeah. Because if that was a goalkeeper who couldn't use his feet to that extent, you wouldn't have any advantage. You wouldn't have any advantage whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. 
Well, I've listened to this. This is from ahead of the Leicester game. Um, I've cut two of Guardiola's answers from the press conference together. He was asked if Brighton caused his side uh, so many problems, then why more teams don't play like that against them. And then he was also asked if his side have a fear factor that effectively forces uh, other teams to drop deep from the off. This is what he said. We'll find a solution. As much as they play that way, we can find a way to break them as well. So every system has a contra, contra system. So... I think football is open. It's not say this is better than the other one. I hate when the people say no, this football is better than the other one. Everyone plays what he wants, and every manager is free and open. If they don't do it, it's because they don't believe it. Some teams they said, okay, we accept to drop a little bit to when you lose the ball to put you in contra attack, and the other one say, no, 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 I don't care if you are Man City or. Liverpool or big club, I'm going to do my game. It doesn't matter if I lose. I believe in that. I convince my players. It doesn't matter when you open as you play. I'm going to be myself and do it. Every manager has his own way. Sometimes it up. How many times I play a teams like play or playing that way? We start the game and they adjust and, and, and they play differently. The plan is just to adapt and read it as quick as possible and try to, you know, to, to break the system. Because every system has the weak points, everyone, all of them. No, no team have with the system to play or the because system is play as quality. Always there are weapons to or weaknesses, the strengths to to know to to read it and and try to discover it. Something that got me thinking about this: Does City have that aura that we used to say other teams would have, like United and Liverpool and Chelsea? That that teams were beaten in the tunnel. Do they oh, have that now? For years. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. I remember so, thinking that when I was working a goal, like. Um, I remember. I don't know why, but I remember thinking it was the Chelsea game last season as well when a team like Chelsea came. Obviously, it was kind of helped by Tuchel just being really defensive. But that's because you know there's something about going to City where you just think, well, we've got like got no so teams yeah, like yeah, yeah. Chelsea and Thomas Tuchel think, well, we need to do this. And but even when it's Leicester and like Brendan Rodgers says, we don't normally do this, but you've got to be like realistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now that you mentioned Chelsea, I can't remember last. Like like last Premier League at at Stamford Bridge, Chelsea um, get get to that game after winning against City on the previous three mm-hmm. uh, games that they had, and they just sit back at at Stamford Bridge, yeah. um, which surprised Pep. Um, and Tuchel was like after the game, yeah, maybe we're a bit like reactive. We shouldn't have been that defensive, but that's the fear factor. I mean, if Chelsea, after beating Man City three times in a row, just then goes and plays to City and they just sit back because they fear what 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 they are playing against. I mean, there you go. Yeah. Um, how much of City have, uh, are able to find solutions on the pitch now? Guardiola's mentioned it a few in a few of these clips that you know we have to we have to be the ones that that find the solution. What does he mean by that? Well, I mean, maybe it's in examples, you know, where. You know, people were saying, I'm not sure if this was the case, but people were saying this about the Leicester game. Guardiola maybe didn't anticipate how they were going to set up. There'll be loads of loads of times when maybe what he's thought is going to happen hasn't. But then the beauty of him and his assistants is, you know, within what, five, ten, yeah, yeah. fifteen minutes, yeah, they'll be like, right, okay, so it's different now, so we'll make these changes. And one of the things, again, going back to Brighton, why he always liked Graham Potter. And he always used to praise Graham Potter. He was just used to praise Brighton, and obviously he still is now. But there was one. It was the game when Laporte got injured, actually. So remember the start of that 2019-20 season, and City had won like four 0 or something. But I think like Brighton had changed their system like four times in the first half or something. And you know, for Guardiola, like on a coaching level, I was just thinking, well, this is this is like great because obviously going back to what I was saying earlier, him always having to find the the solutions to what he said on that clip. Every system's got like a counter system, like to provoke Guardiola to have to make like 
four or five changes in the first half for a team like Brighton. goes back to what we were saying about teams having the courage to play, again, about teams being well coached, about Graham Potter being a really good coach and why he's now at Chelsea and all these things. Um, but yeah, in terms of finding those solutions, I think, yeah, there will be players on that pitch, the vast majority of them, if not all of them, who will be able to go, hold on a minute, we didn't prepare for this. Because I suppose the flip side of that coin is, Haaland said it most recently, Guardiola tells us what will happen on the pitch. And then it, and yeah. then it, exactly, it happens was, exactly like that. Well, they it was West Ham on the first game of the Premier League that David Moyes said, yeah. mm, we, we weren't ready for that, with, yeah. the, with the two fullbacks inside. They are just not ready for that. And I think that City, they kind of are. Because when they see, like, on the first, as Sam was saying before, on the first 10 minutes of a game, that Leicester is, like, sitting deep. They know how to, or they have like a, not a manual or like a or or like a guide of how to do it. But mentally, they do. And you think all of those players, instinctively, when you think about the players who would spot that, you think him: De Bruyne, Bernardo Silva, Bernardo Silva. Gundogan, yeah. Rodri. They've all been there for years. They're yeah, all really yeah. intelligent. Phil, they, maybe. Yeah, okay. I was thinking yeah, Phil yeah. as well, maybe. But like those guys in particular, you think they're like the brains of the team. They're yeah. in the middle of the team. Um, I mean, quite quite probably some of the defenders as well. But those four guys they're going to think okay but they would probably all think well hold on a minute Pep said the spaces would be here but they're actually not Yeah. so what do we need to do and then all of a sudden it was like I, I put that video on my Instagram we, I talked about it on Twitter during the Brighton game it was after nine minutes when Wildbeck went down and they were like oh shit they've gone man to man here and I think I asked Bernardo about it after the game what was that talk about and he was like, we knew they could go man-to-man, but we didn't think they would. So obviously Guardiola spotted it in yeah, the yeah. first, well, I mean, I spotted it after like two minutes. He must have spotted it after yeah, like 30 yeah. seconds. And then when they had that break in the play, he called Haaland over. And it was obviously, you drop deep and yeah. you, know, you cause problems this way. And then Bernardo just wandered over, but he got Bernardo in. Then he called Diaz over, then he called Edison over. And it was like two minutes and they were having a talk then. But obviously if they don't have, that's an obvious example. But when you don't have that break in the play, then it's, you know, you call over De Bruyne yeah. or whatever. And like, there was also a talk later on, I think after De Bruyne had scored that goal, you could kind of see them talking and De Bruyne was like, what, so we're 4-4-2? And Pep was like, no, 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 4-5-1. And he was like, this is like, this is the kind of shape like, without the ball or whatever. Um, and it, again, it goes back to when City played United in the Carabao Cup in like a January. It was that, again, it was that 2019-20 season. No, no, it wasn't. It was the one after when they weren't playing well, but they just started to play well. They we won 2-0. And then... De Bruyne was like, oh yeah, we worked on it for like 15 minutes in training. And everything's like, yeah. oh, 15 yeah, minutes, yeah. banter, he's Man United, blah, blah, blah. They're, they're yeah. shit, they don't take 15. But, I mean, they were shit. But it's just, that's the beauty of the City team. Yeah, they know what they're doing. And Guardiola's like, okay, well, we're doing this today. And they don't need to be taught from scratch. Because yeah. even that was like four years in, and now they're like six, seven. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's have a listen to, I went back and had a listen to what Brendan Rodgers said after the 5-2 victory for Leicester at uh, the Etihad. The man-to-man thing is how I remembered Leicester playing it. Uh, this is how uh, he described their performance. I felt for this game it was important from a tactical perspective to just take the keeper out of it because you press the keeper too much uh, he's he's a top you know, he could play as a centre-half in some Premier League teams, he's that good with the ball so we just decided to get into a three-quarter to half pitch shape, just deny the, the space and uh, and then when the counter press comes because it's, you know, we, we will try to work on Manchester City, work on the counter press, do we have then the quality to pass out of that and then be away in, in the break and uh, thankfully we were able to do that with real quality. And it got me thinking, Paul, I think that's maybe where City have matured in, in recent years. They've, you know, against Brighton, they accepted the pressure and, and didn't get flustered against Leicester. They didn't get frustrated in, in those moments when they might have done in the past. And that 5-2 is kind of what happens when you do get a little bit frustrated. You do rush things and, and, and try and make it happen a bit quicker. Yeah, yeah, uh, I totally agree with that. I think that it comes along with the maturity that, that this team have. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Because... 
I remember thinking there was something about that game where it was obvious that they were rushing things and it was Guardiola taking off Fernandinho for yeah. the lap <laughs> oh, okay. at one all. Did he, what, it was one all, yeah. He took off Fernandinho for the lap at one all, which was the most mental thing he's ever done. And maybe, I mean, the subs thing we've talked about a lot, and he doesn't want to, you know, even if it's, you know, 1-0 to Liverpool at Anfield, he's not bringing on subs because people don't like it, but he doesn't want to disrupt the shape and all this. And it was only a mistake that led to their goal, so blah, blah, blah. But then, if there, and I think that's probably something he's had all of his career, but if there was like an origin story of why he doesn't make subs, <laughs> it was bringing on Liam Delap for Fernandinho when it was one all against Leicester and then Leicester scoring like another five goals or whatever. That, that was why I was laughing because I remember thinking... It was it was only one on. I think he did talk think, about it. I think he they said afterwards really as well. I think he said afterwards as well. I, I was trying to get them not to rush. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know, but I remember I remember thinking it was one all, and they were they were really really going for it, like really rushing. And then obviously the more spaces there are, and when Rodgers talking there, do we have the quality to play through the counter press? Like they do. Like even if City's counter press is yeah. good. Like I remember last season when City beat Leicester. I think it was was it one nil or two nil last season in September. And one nil Bernardo. Yeah, that's yeah. it. And then. But Leicester had some counter-attacks and I remember reading some articles and it was like, oh yeah, City still got maybe problems on the with the counter-attack and I was like, that's not problems with the counter-attack, that's just Leicester. Like, you can't expect to play against Leicester and not have, count- have counter-attacks. Yeah, like, yeah. They just combine really well. If you look at the counter-attacks they suffered, there was no, there was no real problem there. Yeah. And that's another thing about certain teams. You've got to accept that they're just going to be able to do that because some teams, I always use this as like a scale, like, I've said this before, but like West Ham are good on the break, but like Leicester are better, or maybe not this season, but generally Leicester are better because they just work on it better. Those combinations through the counter press are better. And then, like, if you can combine, if you then take that to the next level and you've got like PSG and it's Neymar and Messi and, and Mbappe yeah. on the break, then you know it's, it's, it's even harder, even if they're not as complex or whatever, to generate those situations. Um, but yeah, they, they definitely did rush in that game. And yeah, I, I mean, Earlier in the season, we talked about this. They were trying to find Haaland too quickly, weren't they? And then it just disappeared. When was the last yeah. time we talked about that? Yeah. With the Villa game. Yeah, yeah. They were doing it like four or five times a half, just long balls over to Haaland, and that just dried up. Like just completely. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, they are, they are more patient. And again, you know, it, there was an article, wasn't there, saying, oh, without Haaland City, you're boring. And they got a bit of the usual backlash on Twitter, and it obviously was in the headline. The word boring was in capital letters. But like the article itself, it wasn't as kind of black and white as that, but it was just like, you don't quite get it. And that's going to sound me talking about another journalist, quite arrogant, but it's the same thing. Maybe it's quite arrogant the way I'm speaking to this for a podcast full of fans, but you just don't quite get it because that's how it's supposed to be. Or maybe he did get it and he knows it's boring by design, but that's what Guardiola wants. Yeah. Like we've talked about this in the whole boring debate last season. I kind of get it. I think it's disrespectful because they're not boring. You know, they do play amazing football. But I kind of get it because all the end-to-end stuff that fans want to watch—that's not controlled. Quite doesn't yeah. want it at all. And it, we go back against that Newcastle game. That's the most watchable City game this season. Um, well, maybe the United game because that was just chaos, wasn't it? You'd, you'd yeah. want to watch that on a Sunday afternoon. But that Newcastle game, it's just amazing. Ideal, yeah. It was just amazing. But Guardiola will 
We'd have been been having some fucking meetings about that. (laughs) (laughs) That can't be happening every week. Yeah. Um, I want to finish with uh, a word on complacency because uh, we were saying that 2019-20, back when we started the podcast, Sam, that that many times it was a perfect storm for for when City lost games. The opposition generally played well. City missed chances and then City's general play was was below par. Um, You can very rarely say that City are complacent, though. I want to play this uh, from the pre-match press conference uh, because you asked him, uh, Sam, quite a, a couple of, of good questions about uh, about kind of complacency and, and kind of being able to to sense when things weren't right. Um, so this is what he said about uh, about that. This business football is difficult, more complicated. We try to understand to the players how difficult is everything. To be right now just two points behind the leader is so difficult. It's so complicated. Still, still there one more year close to the top of the league. No, because we went back to back. Now Manchester City have to win 20 points behind. December had to win in that. It's bullshit. It's not true. This is not the reality. I saw a locker room players at the Brighton. They were exhausted. They did not even take the phone. <laughs> Imagine how tired they were. They don't have not even energy to open and see Instagram. Uh, what is the news? You're talking there about that consistency to, to be there. And you said before, after the last back-to-back, the reaction was very poor compared to now. In what sense? Is that performances only or something else? Mentality? Or the training session was not as much high and our performance was not good. And we dropped points. It was in that period Liverpool that made 99 points. <laughs> it was unstoppable. And when, because in the first 10 games, you don't win the... Premier League, but you can be a little behind. So, and I saw this season when we were in in the states in the preseason. Said, mm, I like it. I like what you see. There are many things details that it, they tell you signals. The team arriving time. When you change the exercises, how quick they are, how focused they are. When you're talking, if you look at me, I just look in the grass. Many details that they are they are there just saying there there's lots of little things you, you can pick up on did you know last time like three years ago did you did you think this is going to be a different yeah season? but but at the end uh, uh, you can it's not in general it was a few key players like it drop a little bit and and you tell them you tell them but you don't feel it isn't what else but if you, they are not there they are not there only I want to know for the all the club not just for the team is not think about that is because where city what they have done it always will be like that. There will be the hugest mistakes we can make, the biggest one. But the history is full of teams winning more than us than there are decades that are in the bottom. So, the uh, final question then for this week's podcast is, how much, Paul, of what we've talked about today is down to just Guardiola being Guardiola? All of it? Mm. It's just, part of it, it's yeah, but, now, isn't it, in terms but, of the pitch. But not just Guardiola, but like the people who prepares the squad for Pep Guardiola. I'd say that Chiqui Begirstein had the responsibility for that, just to keep the squad fresh. Right, for him, though, not it? Yeah, yeah, but I mean, Chiqui's doing some job here, and I yeah, guess yeah, that yeah. Ferran, and I guess that everyone is up there. Um, but yeah, it's not just um, Pep having this squad and just setting this mentality. It's just the, the, the club providing him with players that are up for this. Um, and the players who, I don't know if they burned themselves or they were tired of this, probably are not here anymore. So that's part of the process and that's part of, yeah. And just, I think that um, hearing Pep saying that, 
it's good news for any City fan that might dream on an extension contract. Because seeing Pep that he sees this team still uh, hungry for more, it just um, I'm not saying because there's there's nothing new to report. And if I had something to report, I would have done it with some of of course. Um, but I think this looks better than worse um, for for Man City fans. Yeah, Sam, um, we've we've said in the past about you can kind of get a sense of when things are going well and when they're not going well. Um, Brighton and Leicester, as we've talked about extensively today, I, I think they're the reason why this season smells like a good one, as Guardiola might say. Um, well, another thing from that press conference, he said these three games, he took Leicester and then Fulham and Brentford. It was like he goes, they won't tell us. He goes, they'll tell us a lot, and he went not about. I think he said not about ourselves but what we want to do in the Premier League yeah. um, which he never normally kind of ties himself to a yardstick does he he never normally gives us something to judge the team by nothing tangible exactly yeah. it's not. It's normally that's for us to come up with um, but he was like yeah so these three games but yeah with with Leicester and and Brighton all, all I'm thinking is two and they very, won but the performance yeah. is well, the performance against Leicester was good. I'm, was I'm just thinking two very contradictory styles of play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've, they've found well, the they've solutions, won they've won the games, and, and yeah, they, they weren't at, at top notch. They well, weren't look, like they would be at the running. At but the end of the day, everyone, everyone thinks that they're going to win the league, don't they? Everyone thinks they're going to win the league comfortably, even though Arsenal are still top. And they may well be top going into the World Cup at this point. Um, although they've got a difficult game. They've got Chelsea, haven't they? Yeah, so, Chelsea, yeah. Yeah, so maybe not. But everyone thinks that you're going to win the league. Um, I know City fans or fans of the team in general aren't going to go through a season thinking we're going to blitz this because it's not how fans work. But I think everybody is expecting City to win it. So, yeah, in terms of it smelling like a good season, um, that's the other thing. With Guardiola talking about the complacency a couple of years ago, and he was on like, now it's completely the opposite. I mean, back then, I don't think he was talking about complacency, though, was he? He wasn't, like, saying, we're complacent. He, so he wasn't giving the game away. So maybe now, maybe, you know, maybe it's not the case. But you can tell by the results, the fact that they're, they're there, as he says, qualified top Champions League group. They're at the top of the table, going into the World Cup. That is what he would have been looking at. Again, you go into a season, you never know what the reaction's going to be. He'd have been worried, given the last back-to-back, what happened. So yeah, it, it definitely does smell like a good season. To, to finish on a kind of mischievous comment. Oh dear. <laughs> there we go. I, I get the feeling, and this is obviously a joke, but I get the feeling some City fans, if City didn't win the league, would be delighted. So they could spend all summer arguing with Miguel Delaney, oh. <laughs> saying, look, we're not that good. Why have you done that? We're an hour in. Why have you done this now? <laughs> because it seems like, because it seems like there's, there's praise now. There's so much praise for City. And look, I get it. Like there's there's a lot of like damning refrain praise or like the praise is oh they're too strong because it's not fair but there's loads of like oh City are just really good they're going to win the league and there's been there's a backlash against that and it's like are people allowed to say City are good now without going oh this isn't fair like <laughs> it's almost like it would prove a point to some people online if City didn't win the league and they'd be that happy about it that it wouldn't matter that City hadn't actually won it it's just, a bit of a ridiculous situation. Obviously, I'm talking about a very small proportion, but it, that idea makes me laugh. That it, it's funny because normally teams used to argue about their team being good. Now you've got, you know, you've got there's loads of City fans that are downplaying how good they actually are. It's a bit weird. 
Well, uh, I'll I'll leave that to Sam's mentions yeah, to have that yeah, debate, yeah. Paul. I think uh, yeah. I think me and you I'm can leave that well into, alone. Yeah, I'm not into uh, that brings us to the end of this week's Why With Us. Uh, thank you to Paul Bowes. It's been a pleasure. And uh, thank you to Sam Lee. I'll see you next year. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget, you can sign up to the Athletic right now for a pound a month for six months. Just use the code Man City Pod. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.